Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of Welcome to Fatherhood Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brialis, and I'm with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Ryan Young. How's it going, my brother? Everything is well, man. How things are your ears? Man, I can't complain, man. No complaints over here, man. All good. All right, I'm also pleased to announce we have a special guest, Demi. I want to get your last name right, if you could say it for me. So it is Oyalua Day. I, okay. <laughs> I was gonna try to. <laughs> I was gonna try to do it. I'm, I'm gonna leave that there. <laughs> but yeah, appreciate you for jumping on, man. Thanks for taking the time. Yeah. So, uh, first question we normally ask uh, is, uh, what do you do for a living or for a purpose? Okay, for a living or for a purpose. So I have to answer either of those. Either way, however you want to take it. Okay, um, for a living, what I'm doing right now is I'm a visiting research specialist. So my goal is mostly to coordinate research and uh, my focus currently is in lung cancer. Um, I've done a couple of colorectal cancer research in the past. Um, however, my target is mostly for African-American male um, because there usually is a disparity when it comes to cancer-related illness among the African-American men diaspora. So that's, that's what I do, both for a purpose and for a living. <laughs> cool. So what, um, like, how did you get into that field and what interests you about it? Well, actually, um, it's an interesting story because I, I, I never really thought too much about, you know, disparities and health and so on and so forth up until somewhere around 2019 when a friend of mine had, you know, he had just invited me to a program called Chicago Check. Uh, this program is to try to uplift minority population so they can become informed advocates for their own uh, ethnicity, their own race. And through that program, you know, I met somebody by the name of Dr. Karim Watson, who had spoken so eloquently about disparity and health and some of the work he was doing. I couldn't help but fall in love with it because now that I'm exposed to things that I felt empowered and I felt was um, in my own responsibility to advocate for. It just felt fitting to align myself with someone who was already doing the job, um, only for me to get into his lab and then realize that there is so much more to do. It's like the work never ends. And since then I've just kept on you know, building on that motivation, that interest in it, that you know, there's just so much to be done. And I really wanna be part of this. I wanna help change lives. I wanna help improve the welfare and outcome um, when uh, perhaps maybe a lung or colorectal cancer has been diagnosed for an African-American man. So that's how I got into it. So since you started, uh, Demi, um, what ha have you seen uh, that has improved in regards to your research or or what areas you think need, need to get better uh, to um, get uh, better research? Um, what I have actually witnessed, and I, I, I don't know if this is generalized to the public, um, my current knowledge is very limited, is that I have noticed that African-American men, contrary to popular notion, actually want to be informed advocates for themselves. <laughs> you know, they actually want to be, they, like, when we, when we do all of these studies and we conduct them, we see a lot of brothers come into these studies and, you know, they're like, you know what, we want more. I want to go back and empower my community. But not a lot of research actually shows that data. You know, not a lot of research says that, you know what, if you educate a group of African-American men or black men or young brothers in the neighborhood that, oh, the heart of you improving the general welfare of that population is going to increase. Not many 
surely shows that. And that's something that I've begun to notice that has improved. You start to see a lot of people who are more informed that tell you they've participated in programs like this. This is not the same thing. It wasn't this way in, in, in previous years. You know, in previous years, you would see a lot of brothers that would come into programs like this being extremely skeptical. You know, they don't want to, they don't want to be open. They don't want to share their experience. But nowadays people are coming in, being strong, being passionate about sharing their experience because they know that when they share their experience, somebody's life is going to be saved further downstream. So those are the things that I've noticed are significantly improved. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, welcome to fatherhood. Okay. You talk about fathers and dad stuff, right? Can you talk about your dad and um, like your relationship with your family? Yeah. Um, so wait, are we, are we going to keep it PG on this program or are the you want to go? <laughs> oh, man, however you want to take it. <laughs> TV and May, man. Let's go. <laughs> okay. okay. So my relationship with my father is, uh, is quite amusing to, to be honest with you. I've gone through this point in life where I'm just amused when I think about it, rather than feeling all other emotions. I just get excited about it. I'm like, huh, wow. What a life-shaping life experience. Um, growing up, I never really had my father in my, in my life. Well, um, and I would say for a period of time, I didn't have him in my life. Um, while I was very young, um, not able to form the right opinion of what it means to have a father figure in my life, I did have him. So somewhere between age one up to like four, um, four uh, I had my father in my life. He was there, probably providing guidance, support, and, and all of these things that fathers do to help build somebody who's responsible in society. Um, but up from four up till about, let's say, my 20s, 21, 22, um, I didn't have him right? It was mostly my mother in my life, right? So when I finally got my father in my life, it was more of a clash of power. (laughs) Um, Who has more authority over the other, who's right, who's wrong, because I had to live my own life independent of him, only ever seeing him as this cornerstone to provide financial support or maybe even some um, disciplinary um, support. To, to, to my mom who is actually raising me. But beyond that, it's, it's, it, it was mostly a struggle as an adult trying to get him back into my life. So the amusing part about it is the fact that we mostly, we just never get along. It's, we just never. His intentions for me, I believe, are genuine, but it is how he, he shares those intentions that never really resonate with me. You know, young men growing up in this generation where we are exposed to so much information, we tend to think we have the answer to all, all, all possible um, problems in the world. But our fathers or our parents tend to have had actual experience. So sometimes when they speak from their heart or they share experience, it, it, does, it doesn't seem founded because we're reading all these articles online or we're experiencing all these things through social media. So we become a bit more combative, which was my own situation. I was always mostly combative against his own position or his own recommendations or whatever authority he tends to pose over my life. So that's what still amuses me. Although... Now that I'm a bit more independent and we are far from each other, there seems to be some level of respect. He calls me or I call him and we say, hi, what's going on? When the person was just more like, there's nothing he could say or nothing I could say that would agree. We just never, it was always a clash. <laughs> so how old were you when he came back around, when he started uh, becoming back a, a part of your life again? So I was um, 22. I was 22. Yeah. You know? So I can see why the clash happened because <laughs> you're a grown man at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So what were the circumstances that he uh, was out of your life from four to 22? 
what, what happened? Yeah, um, my dad actually migrated from Nigeria. So I'm from West Africa, Nigeria. My dad migrated to the United States right about that time. Um, so my relationship with, with him was mostly this virtual experience, right? Call, you know, calls and mostly calls. So he wasn't present to actually instill um, his roles as a father, but he was doing whatever minimum he could do being that it's a virtual experience, like share his own opinion and his own thoughts and maybe send some financial support to my mom. So, yeah. And uh, since you guys reconnected, uh, what have you learned about yourself uh, in relation to your father? Like, uh, has he taught you any lessons or gave you any, any good advice? Um, I think there's some things that I carry, I've carried away from my relationship. Um, it, is, it is this mentality not to settle for less. It's, yeah, in as much as the way he had presented that idea to me um, wasn't, I wouldn't say it was the best way, but I, I've noticed it in all of my relationships. I don't let people settle for less. <laughs> um, when people come around me and they bring their own issues, it's always like, I, I want to fix their issue, but I also put it on them to not settle for less. It's like, I'm always challenging them with more. You got to do more, right? Which is exactly what I got from the relationship. It's like, it's never satisfied with whatever I do. Even if I bring A's home, my dad will start asking me, so, okay, now you got A's. How, how are you defeating the rest of the people who are you challenging in class? Like, are you making yourself number one? You know, it's the A is not enough, right? So I, I guess that's the kind of um, lesson I've taken along in my own personal life. So um, you are reconnected when you came to the United States? Uh, yeah, that, that's it. Um, it I, I wouldn't call it a true reconnection because we've always had this phone virtual relationship but it was never truly present, right? There is a difference between having a father in the home and having a father somewhere off seas or offshore that's it's never there, you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. Can you talk about that experience? So like, um, I'm pretty sure like looking around, like you'll see your friends or whatever, classmates have their dads in the, in the household, mm-hmm. but your, your relationship with your dad for much of your life was just over the phone, uh, like financially, him sending you you and your mom money. Can you talk about that? Um, yeah, there, there were some good things. Usually, we talk about the financial part. You know, being in a third world country whereby the dollar exchange rate is significantly going to bless your pockets. You know, you send a couple of dollars from here. We're living a big life over there. Um, it felt good to be able to boast that you have a father that is making good money somewhere, right? Uh, but the downside is, as a young man, you don't have true models around. Um, a true model should be your father, right? And maybe other people might be serving in a supporting role as your father, like maybe men who are neighbors or parents who, you know, male parents that are around. Um, but not having him, it's, it's, it changed my experience, um, my learning experience as a man, because the things that um, young brothers or young friends of mine um, were familiar with, you know, like maybe games, sports, those things that may seem a bit more masculine and macho, those were not the things I mostly associated with. I was more associated with um, things that seem a little watered down. I wouldn't call it feminine, because when you say feminine, it might seem really insulted to some people who are listening to it, but it seemed a little bit watered down of an experience um, than most other things. And I apologize for the notifications. I thought I turned all of these off. Yeah. I know, you're good. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, 
So can you speak to uh, any role models that may have stepped up uh, while you were uh, younger, uh, while your dad was away? Was there anybody that, that uh, you could uh, you know, talk about that uh, made a real big impact on you? No, I, I could speak of a couple. Um, you know, it starts from school, the school environment. Um, back home, there were always a lot of male teachers, right? So sometimes, because I don't have a father in my house, I would look up to those kind of men because to me, they were intellectuals. Um, you know, for a child, you know, when you look at these men, they just know everything, right? And because they know everything, you start to, you, you start to put this pedestal, right? You see them on this pedestal, like everything that you're meant to be is already what they are. So you try to model yourself after them. Um, sometimes it could be people in the house of worship, like maybe pastors, because you, you see perfection in them and you want perfection for yourself as a young man. Um, However, when I got to a certain age, when I was supposed to start dating, somewhere around 16, 18-ish, um, my own sister, or what I would call like um, a stepsister or a half-sibling, um, had already started dating. So it was mostly our boyfriend at the time, because there was one of our boyfriends who I particularly liked. Um, he, he stepped up because he, he actually helped me to reshape my identity, to become a bit more masculine. Although he did not teach me how to love sports, um, but he at least let me know how to socialize better as a man. <laughs> so uh can you talk about like when you first got over here like mm -hmm. uh, in nigeria what were your like expectations of america and like did did america actually live up to those expectations when you came and saw how it was uh come on america never really <laughs> 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 okay, I, I want to say, let me let you in on something, right? So, we Nigerians were big on flexing, right? If you got it, you got to show that you got it. And if you don't got it, you got to pretend like you do, right? So, a lot of our brothers, our, our, our men or family, whoever they are, will come to Nigeria, no matter what shitty job they may do here, let's be honest with each other. They'll come back there because their dollar exchange rate, you know, advantage for them. They'll come show off like they're making a lot of money. America is a bomb. And all of you who are in Nigeria, you're all trash, right? Um, so, you know, you have this idea not just from the movies you're watching, but from the people who are actually coming to visit you would always shower you with so much gifts and so much money um, that when you get to America, you're going to be living the life, right? Everything is just going to be roses, but they don't tell you about the tons down the roses, right? So when I came to the America, it was just more of like, it was a super culture shock, right? You come with all this vibrant energy only for you to be downplayed because of the color of your skin, right? Um, the experiences that are all, even the, even the political system experience is just, it's just weird, right? Um, mm -hmm. The money system, you're thinking, oh, you know what, I'm just going to work a couple of hours and make some money. And then you realize that the money you just earned is so little, you can barely feed yourself from it. It's like, are you kidding me? Is this the experience people came home to tell me about? So... Like, I, I remember when I first got into this country, I was thinking I was going to be living, like, in some sort of house or apartment. But whatever it is, it was supposed to look good, you know. It was supposed to be decent. Guess what? The night I slept first in this country, I slept in bed bugs. I never slept in bed bugs back home. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, that, that trumped my experience. It changed my outlook toward the American, you know, America, I should say. And uh, even when I started schooling, having to transport myself all the way from Lakeshore, very south of Lakeshore, travel for almost anywhere close to 45 minutes just to get to school, which was never the case for me back home. It's, it's, it's changed my experience. I had to get out of bed like sometime around maybe four or five-ish to make sure I get out by seven and then make it to my class maybe somewhere around eight. Um, 
all those things just reshaped my identity. It allowed me to start to think of America as just another place where people are. They might have like maybe constant electricity. They might have some consistency, but it's no different from being back home and con- continuing your struggle or you know, also. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So going back to uh, your stepsister's boyfriend, you mentioned um, mm-hmm. how he helped you become more masculine. Like, um, well, how how did he do that? Like, what what did he uh, what did he actually do to, to to make you become more masculine? Well, it, it, it's with some, it's, it's as simple as even the way I talk. So right now it may seem like I have a little bit of a deeper voice, but in reality, I I don't really have only a deeper voice. I actually have to work toward a deeper voice. Um, you know, when all the hormones come into your body, you're supposed to have a deeper voice. You're supposed to grow and become more masculine, um, or even more being a bit more muscular. Um, these things were happening to me, but my voice was so tiny, you know, because I grew up with ladies. What was the point of you asserting your dominance if no one is doing it? <laughs> so it, it, it was things like that. You're like, damn it, you can't talk this way. Or maybe when I'm walking and he sees me walking in this feminine way, he's like, damn it, you can't walk that way. <laughs> And it's just things like that. And, you know, you see, you see his confidence. It's, it's, confidence for a man is, is, uh, is key. A man who doesn't have confidence is a man who is never going to be able to move things in his own world. Um, when he walks, when he talks, or when he steps into his room, it's not about his height. He's tall. That's an advantage for him. But people listen. And it's all about that confidence. He doesn't care if he makes mistakes, but he has confidence. And those were the things that he was always working on. He was like, damn it, you got to walk right. You got to talk right. You got to do these things right. And to him, right was just more of like being more assertive and more dominant in your position rather than allowing people to shut you up just for the sake that they can. And, you, you know, it's, it's new things like, oh, you don't argue with a woman. You just leave her. Let her talk. <laughs> but I grew up with women, so I would have argued, you know. So I couldn't. It was impulsive. It's like, I just want to argue because, you know, they're women. You, you got to argue with them. They argue with each other all the time, but it's like, nah, you can't do that. <laughs> Just shut up and walk. <laughs> so those were the kind of things that he taught me. Um, I mean, they might seem very little for most people, but I, I think those were the foundations uh, for me being who I am right now. Because if I never got that at the time, I'm almost certain that I might have been a little bit different of a man. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I have a... Um... I have a cousin who was raised by his mom mm-hmm. and uh, he said that he went through like a similar like uh, maturation where um, he had met, I forgot who he said it was, but the person was like, uh, he started to pay attention to the person more and like tried to model the way that they walked and like really looked at the way that he, he walked and like the way that he acted, you know, because he was raised by his mom, he didn't necessarily have like, um, like as you said, like a masculine, like you know, walk and talk and stuff like that. So I mean, that, that's just interesting that you would say that. Yeah, and you know the worst part, you don't even know that you don't get it. Yeah, yeah. you don't. You're not even aware until when someone comes in and they let you know, like, hey, dude, you look like her. Of course, then you start to realize that ah, yeah, I think this person is right. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's interesting. But mm-hmm. I, I want to. Um, I want to talk about like kind of going back to the experience of coming here mm-hmm. uh, just like to give context to my question. Me and my wife, we went to the Bahamas before mm-hmm. we went to Jamaica before and mm-hmm. like going and being in a place where it's just black people, you know, well, majority black people, it's not just black people, but 
being in an environment where it's um, majority black people, uh, it just felt good, you know. Coming from an environment where it's majority black people and coming into like the United States where it's a mix or majority where it's majority white mm-hmm. or, or Caucasian, how did that feel? Or how did that impact you? Uh, there was there was uh, uh, a thrill to it, you know. You you wanted to get that um, experience, the so called Hollywood experience of you know being able to interact with this diversity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the shock to it is again, it's it's just Hollywood. That's not the reality here. It's it's not. Um, you quickly realize. I I learned very quickly, not too long after I came to this country, that people don't care like that. Um, let me let me start with something that we do traditionally. This this is. You meet a typical average Nigerian that's coming fresh from Nigeria or from some part of the world that, um, you know, treats their elders with respect and treats almost everybody as if they're brothers and sisters. One of the things that you quickly notice is the, when they come to this country, they want to greet everybody. Hey, what's up? How are you doing? Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. You know, all of that. Um, when, you, when I first came to this country, I would notice that some black people were responsive to that. But again, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but a lot of white people would mostly just grin at you. It's like, and that was a shock because I didn't know how to interpret that. When I say good morning to you, I'm expecting you to say good morning back, right? Um, but a lot of the times you don't get that from like maybe white okay, um, or any other Caucasian race. Um, you just mostly get a grin. Um, yeah, some people will have this exuberance to them that they might be a little bit more expressive and festive in their home morning. They might say good morning and make you feel good about your morning, um, but you typically wouldn't get that from a lot of um, other races, other than most black people that you might see. Because I could literally sit on the train right now and the next black person beside me, I'm like, hey, good afternoon. This is like, oh yeah. You know, there's other high pitch. It's like almost like, hey, this person is saying hello to me. But when you say that to another person, the person might just look at you like, hey. I'm thinking, what's, what's the smile for? Like, I just spoke to you. So that's one of the things I could, I could really speak to. Um, it, it really just changed my opinion about what it is to have all these different races in this country. Then, um, I also wanted to say one thing. You know, I, I, I took some classes here in this country. Um, I, I quickly got to know that um, our people of our color, um, they... They, they don't get the kind of um, attention that they need um, at the community college level. Um, most races are always perceived as a little bit more brighter at that level. I believe it also goes into the university system. And those were things that I perceived that just always seemed wrong because I'm a black man. When I first came, it was always perceived like I didn't know what I was talking about because I didn't have a way to speak and be understood yet. I, I haven't yet... Um, acculturate in, in such a way that pe- whenever I said something or my vocabulary were, were used, it's understandable. So it was almost like no matter what it is I said, even if I'm saying the exact same answers as someone else in the class, um, it always just seemed like that other person knew it better than I did. So those were my own experiences. Um, I'm not bitter about it, but those things really did shine some light as to how much work I needed to do on my own self to make sure that I stand out. And it, it made me an early advocate for Black people. At that time, so. Mm-hmm. So, what would you tell somebody that was coming from Nigeria to the U.S.? Like, uh, you know, people were telling you like how the U.S. was. Like, how would you describe it based on your experience? Um, I'll I'll, I'll tell them 
I'll tell them not to get overexcited about anything. They should take it one step at a time. Um, and things will reveal themselves to, to them. Um, they should also not, although there's always this racial divide, but they should never dismiss assistance from anyone and be very overt about their position. They shouldn't look down on their own intelligence because that's one of the things that would quickly dawn on them. People might consider them less intelligent just because of the color of their skin or the fact that they're coming from a different place. Um, let's see. What else? What else? What else? What else? Uh, yeah, I think that's mostly it. That's, that's a good basis for them. Just be very informed. Try to get as much information. Soak it all up in rather than you know, thinking it's all going to be roses, it's, it's, they would be shocked. In places where they think that someone would advocate for them or, you know, have their back, they would be surprised that, you know, especially if the people in that place are not people of their own color, no, it's not going to happen. So, mm-hmm. So, uh, Nami, we, well, myself, as well as certain rights, we're like, uh, we're into hip hop, into music. Mm-hmm. Can you give us some Nigerian hip hop uh, acts we should we should check out? Um, oh, it it really depends, man. I know that Whiskey is 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 someone that most people might have heard. David oh, yeah. yeah. uh, There is Olami Day. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? I haven't been listening so much these days, but those those two I just said those are some of the best musicians right now. So you might want to look into those ones. You said, uh, well, Wizkid, he got the song out that's that's blowing up everywhere, right? The um, What's the name of that song? Uh, they play it on the radio a lot. <laughs> Go ahead, sing it, Dr. Yara. You got it? Well, no, I, I can't sing it. But, <laughs> but I, I think I know who you're talking Who's the other person that you mentioned? Um, I was saying David O. David O is kind of, is kind of popular. Uh, you might have heard of uh, Bonner Boy. Do you know Bonner Boy? No. Okay, that's someone you want to check out. People love his music. It's, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's panetical, you know, and, and almost anybody can listen to that. It, it, cross across, it cuts across all cultures. Cool. I got to add it to the list, man. I got uh, all types of stuff on Spotify, man. I'll I be, <laughs> I'm a music buff, if you will, man. So, yeah, thanks for that. Cool. <laughs> so, um, you say you're not into sports at all, even since moving to Chicago? Like, you haven't been to any games? No, my brother. I'm still looking for someone to come teach me how to do this old sport thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <I'm... laughs> uh, we got to get to the game sometime, man. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, uh, what was your relationship like with your mom? Cause, you know, we talked about you know, your father a little bit, but uh, she was the main one that was raising you. So what, what was that like? growing up with yeah. a single mother household. Thanks for asking that. My mom is, uh, she had to be both. She had to be both types of parents. She had to be strong and as well as also be um, feminine. So <clears throat> let me quickly explore our feminine side. My mom is extremely compassionate. You know, she listens to everything. She sits with you. She talks to you. Um, it always felt like I had someone who could listen, right? Um, but when it comes to our masculine side, it's, she's a freaking disciplinarian, you know? She, she's got the belt already ready for you. <laughs> so it, it's, you have to balance those energies because you know if you call mom right now, she's got you. But at the same time, if she asks you to do something, you ain't got it done, just know <laughs> that, that night you're going to be explaining yourself. <laughs> 
So yeah, that, that was the relationship I have. I, I still have that kind of relationship with her right now. You know, I'm a bit more mature right now. And so, you know, parents kind of stepped away from trying to discipline you, but you can see your in that tone when she talks to you. She's like, damn it, you don't do that. Or damn it, you do it this way. You got to listen to me. How about you keep quiet when I'm talking? <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's, it's kind of like that. So did your mom, like, did she, uh, so the day that you left to come over here, like, what was that like for you? Did, did she prepare like a meal? Did y'all have a party or something? Or like, what did you do? Hmm. Wow. I have to think back to that moment because I only remember how shedding tears at the airport, but all through my preparation, my mom was just excited. I was getting away. Hmm. It was just more of like, oh, he's living. He's finally living, you know. But at the airport, when I was leaving, I remember um, it was just in that moment I realized that, uh, yeah, there, there was tears in my heart. Because um, up, up to that time when I was leaving the, um, going into the gate to board my plane, it was just more of like celebration, mostly. She was celebrating with her siblings. She was helping me gather the things, just reminding me, oh, you got to take care of yourself this way. Remember to take your medication. Remember to do this. Remember to do that. Um, when you get there, these are the things that you might notice. You know, she was just informing me and getting me ready. It was like, oh, you got to focus on your goals. You got to pay more attention to details. Um, I know you're going to a different land and might not be the same, but I know who you are. You're going to set yourself on the right course and I haven't raised a child who is going to fail. Um, it, that was, those were the kind of things my mom was doing in that moment up to that time when I was going to ball. That's when I saw her, 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 those tears in her eyes and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> but I was also young enough whereby, again, that masculine side, I needed to exhibit more of it because I wanted to be more masculine. So when she was shedding tears, it wasn't like me running up to her to go on. All guy was more like, eh, you know, she'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you, didn't, you didn't have any tears? You didn't have any tears for her? No, my tears came later, later when I arrived in this country, you know, when I had all these beautiful experiences that could, that reformed me. Um, that's when my tears came, you know, my tears came after I realized that a lot of things that I needed to do um, to get to anywhere in life, um, I wasn't going to have anyone to call as my emergency backup, which my mom would have been back home. I couldn't just call her randomly like, mom, you know, I, I got in this little bit of a knack. I need some assistance. No, it's not going to happen. I got it. I got to sort that shit out for myself. You know, it was in that moment when I called my dad one time and I was like, dad, I kind of just need to express myself to someone. I want to talk to someone right now. This is how I feel. And my dad was like, hey, man, why are you talking to me about this bullshit? You know, like, sorry enough, excuse me if I'm using a cost language. Like, he literally just told me that I shouldn't be talking to him about anything I was feeling because I'm a man. I should just figure it out. That was when my tears came because I knew that if it were my mother that was here, she would have listened even if she didn't have any way to solve the problem. So that was when my tears came. It wasn't at the moment I was leaving. It was further downstream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see that. So um, I'm going to ask this question a little different. Because normally we ask, what, would you, what advice would you give to your younger self? Mm -hmm. But uh, Damien, since you're a young man already, uh, I would say, um, I would ask it a little differently. Uh, what advice, if you had to give advice to your older self? Let's say ten years from now, twenty years from now, what advice would you have? Would you have for your older self? Okay, um, you want me to speak generally, or in what context, though? Um, just in, uh, from your experience in the U.S. 
to to where you want to go to the to the person that you want to be mm. like uh like what advice would you give your older self i would tell myself um and in all situations, as long as there is a will, there's a way. It's, it's as simple as that. Um, and I'll tell myself that I should leave every moment to the fullest because it's never going to repeat itself. Time goes forward, it's never going backward. So I should never miss out on opportunities to relate with family, relate with friends, or to just even smell the roses, even if the roses don't smell right. Just experience it. Be in the moment because I cannot... Um, I'm speaking from the heart here. I've missed far too many things in my pursuit for achievements or accomplishments of any sort. Um, and I don't think my older self would be happy to look back and say, I never had any cherishable moments with people. So that's, I've come to realize right now that people are more important than your objectives and goals. As a matter of fact, they actually had value to those things that you want to do in life. And that's something I need to tell myself more often. Uh, my older self would want to tell this younger self, people matter. No matter what you do, people are more important. Wow. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. So have you, um, have you been able to like travel to see, to like go around and see the country? Um, no, I did have this opportunity to visit a female friend of mine at somewhere around Urbana-Champagne uh, one time. And let me see, where else have I been? I've been to DC one time. It was more of like an academic trip. Um, but beyond that, I haven't really traveled much. I'm open to traveling further down, further down the line, but right now I haven't done much. So, Sir Royce, can you give, can you give Dami some, uh, some places he should visit? If you want to go somewhere close, there's a place, it's a magical place people don't know about. It's uh, called New Buffalo, New Buffalo, Michigan. Okay. This is another vantage point from the lake. So, like, literally when the sun sets, like, the, the sun looks like it's sitting on top of the lake. Really? Beautiful, man. Yeah, it's like a, what, 90? No, if, you, if you're on the south side of Chicago, that's about an hour drive. Okay. Buffalo. They say the best times to go are like the summer months, like May, June, July, around that time. Mm -hmm. um, but if you want to go a little bit further out, you, wanna, you know, uh, man, it's a lot of places, man. Uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Mm. It's a whole strip of like, uh, it's just like a amusement park like the like it's like a, a road where it's nothing but like different things to do and you can even go skiing down there too um where else think about where i've been uh well california of course you gotta go to cali at least why <laughs> <laughs> i haven't been in new york yet. have you been in new york back then? nah no i've never been in new york yeah i got i gotta check new york out too but uh miami for, of course, Miami, you know, it's nice. The weather's nice. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, uh, it's a lot of good places to go in, 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 the, in the U.S. Okay. I'll definitely put these ones on my radar. But I got a question for you, though. In, in, in you going over there, do you usually, like, pack a lot? In, and when I say pack a lot, like, plan financially a lot? Or you just, you know, 
you you make just little plans. You're like, this is how much I'm going to spend. Um, you go there or you make like this exorbitant plan. You're like, okay, I need to have this big amount of money so I can have a good time. What's what's usually your mindset to all those? Oh, well, yeah, I always go down there with a budget. Like, I don't go down there and <laughs> just throw the money in the air. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you definitely, you know, depending on how long you're going to be there, too, like, you got to think about what you're eating, mm-hmm. you know, where you're going to stay at, like, uh, really plan the details out, you know. But, yeah, I, I definitely try to budget, you know, as far as, like, how much I'm going to spend. Uh, and I try to find a place that has, like, a kitchen in it so that I can buy groceries. I could do some cooking myself instead of eating out every day. Wow. Wow, that's wisdom right there. Thanks. Yeah, dad tips. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dr. Young? Any any places uh, you recommend? Yeah, I would say um, like New Mexico, like going through the mountains. Okay. Uh, Denver was pretty cool. Yeah, Denver We, we just recently went to Denver. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but what do you like to do? Me? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a little bit up. I like to explore a lot of things. Um, in terms of my free time, are you saying no? Is that what you're asking? You said, well, what do you say? I'm sorry. Are, are you, you asking what I like to do yeah. free time? Ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I like to create. I'm, I have a creative mind. Um, so you might find me creating something like I do photography on the side sometimes. So in my free time, that's something you might find me doing. Um, recently I picked up the guitar right here. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I do that trying to learn how to you know, sing. Maybe I can probably, uh, serenade some beautiful lady into my life. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So with that information, it gives me a better understanding of places where you can go. So, uh, go to. The Memphis, Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, I was gonna say Memphis would be good. Go yeah. on Bill Street. Okay. When you go to Memphis, you gotta go on Bill Street. Okay, Mill Street. Uh, I would say the uh, Pacific Northwest, since you like to take pictures, so like Washington, Seattle, go out there, go into the forest, mm-hmm. uh, take pictures. Uh, New Mexico, like I said, like with the mountains. Uh, mm-hmm. I heard Montana is real nice for pictures too. If you really want to get like some scenic, oh yeah, pictures. What'd you call that place again? Montana. Okay, Montana. Yes, things that's up. That's next to what? Uh, Washington. Okay. I have to get a map right here. But yes, it's uh, it's up there somewhere. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of great scenic views out there. Nice, nice, nice. In, in New York. Everybody has to go to New York. I yeah, haven't been. I'm weird. You gotta do the whole, the whole thing. <laughs> you know, what? I keep hearing people. Almost everybody talks about New York. What, what, what really is special about New York? What, you know, the way I see it, I feel like okay, I come from a place that is crowded, massively overpopulated, and New York is almost like revisiting that space in America. So I, I'm not really sure. Like a lot of people always want to go to New York. Oh well, I mean. I don't know. <laughs> I always heard like um, Chicago is a smaller, cleaner New York. Mm-hmm. So, um, I mean, I guess just going there and seeing for myself. Mm. But because you're from like, uh, are you from uh, Lagos? Yeah, I'm from Lagos. 
Okay. Well, it might not be anything to you. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get away from city life, I don't know if New York could be the way. There's probably some places in New York that might be like country. I mean, I don't know which ones. Maybe like Buffalo. Mm. I'm not sure how uh, you know Buffalo is. Oh, I, I've been to Buffalo and uh, it's <laughs> uh, Niagara Falls. So like uh, you can go. It's a Canada side and it's a American side mm-hmm. of Niagara Falls. So uh, that's pretty beautiful. You know, I really want to go to Niagara Falls. Um, I kind of have some family friends over there. So perhaps maybe I might be able to visit both sides. Who knows? I don't know if that's possible, but I'd really love to see that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's like to drive. It's only uh, like to go to, Tor- go to Toronto, too. Mm-hmm. Toronto is a, a cool city. Okay. Um, you you would have to tell me about the drive. How long is it, though? But yeah, to drive from Chicago to Toronto is only like maybe seven or eight hours. So it, it's well, doing. I know it's that close. Yeah. Hmm. The wheels are spinning. <laughs> now, Demi, uh, I asked you a question uh, before we jumped on the call. You gave me a real good answer, real short and sweet. Um, the question was, uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And uh, Demi, you said uh, fatherhood means nurturing. Mm-hmm. So can you uh, elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah. Um, so again, I'm just going to repeat, nurturing. Nurturing is a big word, though. It, it may seem very simple. Um, but anyone who has had to take care of any plants will know the importance of exposing that plants to all the right conditions, right? Um, and we live in a world whereby young people, young minds are exposed to every single thing, right? So I, I believe it's a father's responsibility to kind of create the environment that will be most suitable for a child to thrive and become, if it's a male, male child, to become the best male version of themselves. Um, and if it's a female child, to become as strong, independent, and um, whatever word that females may want to use to characterize themselves, um, as they can be. So to expand more on that, being from my own personal experience that I didn't exactly have my father with me throughout my own upbringing, um, I can see how if I had him in my life or if I had a father figure in my life, I would have been nurtured. I would have been nurtured completely differently. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have needed the, um, the sister's boyfriend to come take responsibility of telling me what's right and what's wrong to do. Um, I wouldn't have come to this country um, having to challenge his authority because I've never had a dominant figure in my life, right? And we all know that if a man must succeed, he must learn how to be very submissive. So the only person who can teach a child how to be submissive is the person who is nurturing him, a father, right? Because the people, the person who is responsible for your well-being, both the school you go to, the work you're going to do, the place you sleep at night, the food you're going to eat, there is no how you're not going to learn how to be submissive to that person. And that translates across. Because if you can submit to one person at your early stage in life, you can submit to virtually a lot of people that are going to uplift you later on. Because I don't think there is any, every place, a place of work that you go to whereby a new, a new employee just comes in and he doesn't respect his boss and then he gets a promotion, right? 
it's just not going to happen. So it's a father's role to nurture a child on how to be in every position, a plant that is ready to be nurtured by the next person. So I, I guess I, that's the way I can capture it here in a couple of few sentences. Um, a father must nurture. He must. Otherwise, that child will be difficult to be nurtured by other people. You know, they're not going to go far in life. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Now, um, Dr. Young, um, well, we're getting a little closer to closer to time. Um, mm -hmm. Did you have any other questions, Dr. Young? No, I, I don't have any other questions. Uh, but thank, thank you, Dami. I, I really enjoyed this this interview. It was really good. Yeah, can we can we put it in the Hall of Fame? Uh, <laughs> yeah, we can. Yeah, <laughs> hey, sure. another one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Sammy. This, this has been great. So um, if you had to tell um, any father that's listening or give any advice to any dad that mm -hmm. could be listening right now, uh, what would that advice be? Hmm. I'll say be present. Be present. Be present, yeah. Just be present. Good. That can change a whole lot. Just be present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. All right, and uh, if you have to tell people where to reach you, uh, you know, what, uh, is, this is your time to, to shine. So you got 15, 15 seconds to plug yourself, man. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so other than research, I also do a little bit of photography. Um, you may um, have already heard me say that in this interview. Um, you can find me at d-a-m-i-l-s-t-u-d-i-o.com um, where you can book me for your photographic events or if you just want to make some beautiful images of yourself as you know um, how you present to the world is how people may perceive you if you wear good clothes people probably respect you as if you're a person of status and if you have a good profile picture to display yourself people will approach you just the right way so um, i would love to help you make that good representation of yourself um, however it is you want to be perceived by the world so reach me at uh, 312 Six nine four three nine five six, um, and that's it mostly. All right, cool. Yeah, appreciate mm -hmm. it. You're welcome. All right, uh, Doc, Doctor Yana, do you have anything else? Mm -hmm. No, just thanks again. I, I really appreciate you coming in and sharing your story. It was really good. Thank you so much for this platform. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. So don't hang up, Danny. We're gonna have a little uh, post game, if you will. Okay. Uh, but yeah, for myself, for Sir Royce, Realis, for Dr. Raheem Young, and for our special guest, Denny, uh, I want you to say your last name again. I want to I wanna butcher it. <laughs> so it is Oya Lua Day. Oya Lua Day. Kind of like Oya. Oya Lu. Lu. A day. A day. Oya Lua Day. Perfect. Nailed it. <laughs> All right, thanks again for listening to Welcome to Fatherhood Interviews and stay tuned for further announcements. Right. Yes, yes, Sir Royce here. And I want to thank you again for listening to WTF Interviews. Leave a review as it helps more people like yourself receive the message. Also, consider donating to Welcome to Fatherhood. It's a nonprofit that myself and Dr. Raheem Young created to help dads showcase their superpowers to the masses. You can do that by going to wtfatherhood.org. Again, gratitude and be well. You already are.